Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Sunshine. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio for the Almighty. And boy, am I excited about our guest tonight. Absolutely. A a new author, and they also have a publishing company. Melody Lyons is with us. Her with Christopher, parents of nine children, one of whom is looking down from on high. We want to acknowledge that beautiful little soul. And Melody, just to read you the back of her book, which I'll give you the title, The Sunshine Principle, a radically simple guide to natural Catholic healing. Just in the back, it says, Melody Lyons is a natural health educator and Catholic author pursuing the restoration of Catholic culture through home educating, natural healing, and enthusiastic dishwashing. Compelled by gratitude, she is passionate about bringing the healing power of Jesus Christ to others. Mm, That's awesome. I'm going to say it again. Compelled by gratitude, she is passionate about bringing the healing power of Jesus Christ to others. Melody writes about integrated Catholic culture at TheEssentialMother.com. So that's where you can find her and where you can probably purchase this book as well as Amazon. And Steph, why don't you just read the top of this? We're just piquing your appetite, folks who are with us today, tuned in and yearning for that fullness, that wholeness in Christ. That's what we're all about. And uh, this wonderful author guest that we have, Steph's going to just read the top of the book and then we're going to get into an awesome conversation about it. It's like story time or something. Absolutely. Reading to you. Are you ready to heal? Yes. When body and mind are shattered, when fear casts a shadow over joy, when the answer can't be found in a pill and heaven seems silent, there is hope. The Sunshine Principle is a work that is both a song of the soul and a guide of gritty practicality, a natural approach to healing mind, body, and soul and what it takes to rise. That's so beautiful. Awesome. Great job, Melody. Woo! Thank you. So we just tell our listeners, stay with us. You want to hear it before you go rush to order it. So just wait, because I'm sure that got you right there. Yes, absolutely. To go order it. But let's listen to Melody so first. So we want to formally welcome you. How are you doing today, Melody? I'm great. I'm 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 so excited to be here. You guys are um, such an inspiration to me. Aw. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in so long. It's but, been way too long. I have to tell you, just this... Uh, the revival, you know, the mm. revival that I just, when I read what you, what you write and, and listen to what you're saying, I just feel that, um, just that's that swelling of hope, mm. you know, and I know that that Praise is God. blessing. You're awesome, yes. Melody. I'm affirmed. We're affirmed and validated by that. That's awesome. For so our can listeners, we get we, a little personal. Well, we. Yeah. I want to go back a moment and just have a little fun and capture Melody's history, just so you all know who are listening. We have had a, been joined in the journey with Melody and her husband Christopher Lyons. And um, Melody, I just want to take us back about <laughs> thirty years, and I want to play a clip. <laughs> And I want to ask you after I play this clip, what comes to mind? Here we go for our listeners. My brothers, Luke and Nathan Schleter, in their later teen years into college, I think, began a Christian rock band with Chris Lyons, the spouse of Melody, and they're very passionate pro-lifers. Chris went to Miami University of Ohio with my brother Nathan, I think maybe a year older or so, and part of the posse, part of a group of very passionate Um, I don't know, uh, committed to the kingdom, committed to loving other people on that secular campus of Miami, bringing the love uh, wherever we could and about pro-life in particular. So they have a a band, had a band called The Fishermen and that song, unfortunately our audio is not working where she can hear the song, but Melody, I played the beginning of the song that Chris wrote, Easy Come, Easy Go. And if you can imagine in your mind that you just heard it, where does that take you? Oh my goodness. My kids are singing that song now. I mean, I know, I know, <laughs> you know how that is, you know, but that kind of like that, those memories, those physical audio memories sort of bring all of it back. Mm-hmm. Everything in my life, you know, from the, from the beginning when I, when I first met Chris and um, re-encountered the Lord, right? Mm. 
and then um, to, to the present, you know, where where that's finding fulfillment in our vocation. That's mm-hmm. so that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. No, that's awesome. I recall the two of you actually um, singing in beautiful harmony, whatever songs, maybe the To Encounter Christ and just for our listeners. So my parents, when we moved from Wisconsin to Cleveland, <laughs> which was 1986, um, my parents brought the tech movement to the Cleveland area. It was a phenomenal place to encounter a lot of awesome other teens and parents and build community. And Chris and Melody are part of that. And I, I do recall both of you singing beautifully. Do you still sing together? We do. It's it's not as often, but, um, you know, it's one of those things that is, it's unifying in our, in our life. So that's awesome. Blessing. Does he sing to you? You are the sunshine of my life. <laughs> have to add that one. <laughs> Given this new book. <laughs> so right. before we go further, let's go back a little bit. And just if you could tell a little bit of your story, Melody, we like to proclaim Revelations 12, 11, they defeated the enemy, which we see around us everywhere. And unfortunately, even in our own homes, marriages, our souls, just keep it real. How do they defeat the enemy? It says in Revelations 12, 11, by the blood of the lamb, which is the holy mass and the word of their testimony. So Testimony, really encourage any of you out there listening to know you've got a testimony. It doesn't need to be this big, dramatic story, but it's an ongoing journey of uh, accepting Christ, of surrendering lesser things for greater, of walking in the sunshine, walking in the light of God's grace in our lives. So just share with us, Melody, a little bit of your background in coming to really embrace Christ and live in the fullness of our Catholic faith. Sure. Yeah, I I was raised in a Catholic culture because that is... Uh, that is the faith that my ancestors, you know, passed passed on to my family. But by the time it got to me, it really was only cultural. And mm. so um, I was in Catholic schools for the education, um, but my family was not practicing. And in fact, I would say that we were raised sort of in defiance of mm. the church. Um, and so I grew up uh, when I would attend school masses, you know, I would have that defiance and it was very, you know, a really unholy way to, to approach the Lord. Um, but I was really searching. I was, I was always searching. And I always had a, a love for Blessed Mother mm-hmm. because she just, mm-hmm. she was so beautiful. You know, and yes. even from as a little child, we're drawn to motherhood. We're drawn to that, that softness and that security. Um, and so it, I would say that, you know, throughout high school, of course, I just lived a secular life like everybody else around me. Um, and I would say that it almost seemed impossible to pursue goodness. And mm. um, and I didn't right. I wouldn't have been able to say it at the time, but it really was a kind of uh, a kind of slavery, a kind of um, bondage where even if, you know, a teenager is seeking goodness and holiness, the whole environment is oriented in another direction. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I met Christopher, um, I was just deeply, deeply wounded and longing hmm. for something greater and something more. And so of course he presented he presented the love of Jesus Christ in a way I had really never never experienced and probably also because I was really smitten. So you're like what, 15? <laughs> How old were you at this point? I was 17. Okay. So I was graduating but I was I guess a young graduate. Um How did you meet? Andre Calabretta Okay. Uh, Go shout Andre, out to Andre. And Jen. Yeah. <laughs> so he was he he lived across the street from me, and I guess there was a Bible study <laughs> okay. uh, going on across the street. And I don't know. I guess a Bible study isn't complete without the girls of the neighborhood, right? I, I don't know. In high school, <laughs> but, for sure. Time honored yeah, tradition okay. with our kids, also. That's right. So actually, I had um, I was awakened by by stones at the window. <laughs> and yeah that's great and i had you know we had never i had not met chris yet but um he said you know why don't we get some pizza and i said well i really have a track meet in the morning i probably should just go to bed but they said pizza and i was there so <laughs> um, you know that was kind of the beginning so they both went to saint ignatius that would be andre calabretta and christopher lyons which is in cleveland folks and um just Trace for us a little bit of that deepening encounter of Christ, which, as you set it up, was kind of cool, is that the the love of Christ really corresponded to the unveiling, the apocalypsis. We spoke of Revelations 12, 11, that book used to be called Apocalypsis, literally the unveiling of the bride and the Hebrew wedding feast, which defines all of salvation history. So you're given the opportunity to journey in that 
And I do want to punctuate what was a first for Steph and I at your wedding, but lead us up to the point of, uh, I don't know, engagement and marriage and even trace for us a little bit of the children. So I, my, my background was new age, um, just basically paganism and, and um, uh, feminist. I would call that actually a religion. Mm-hmm. So it was all intertwined. So I had a lot of defiance. I had a lot of anger. Um, what Chris presented was really a, a freedom you know, that I hadn't known a freedom of, of spirit mm. and mind. And so it was intellectual um, in that we would go back and forth with these topics. Of course, I was pro-choice. And, you know, he, he just dealt with my objections or our conversations very gently and, mm. and patiently and sort of just, you know, he's so logical and, mm-hmm. and smart that he very simply would just sort of state the truth. And my whole argument, which was full of many, many words, <laughs> would just um, unravel, mm. you know. And so he slowly uh, introduced me to the truth. And as my eyes opened, the scales fell and my heart just began to expand. And I realized that um, there was that that love and that acceptance in Jesus Christ that I had never, not in my memory anyway, been able to fall back into such a cushion of, of peace. Mm. And then the transformation really fully came about actually at tech. Um, that conversion, like, you know, that conversion mm-hmm. moment. It was, of course, a process, but it was um, at adoration, mm. naturally. Right. And we were all kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament mm. and praise and adoration. And there came like a voice, you know, where you just sometimes have those moments of clarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is as if the Lord is speaking, and I'm sure that he is. And and I had this question presented to me, you know, like, do you believe? And it was, this is either before you, this is either, you know, God, the creator of, of the universe and your soul, or it's not. And it's all a lie. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, I was given a choice. And, um, you know, it was just, it was all grace. And, and I knew. And I knew. And everything in my life really just... Um, change from that point on so beautiful that's so awesome so your courtship will speed it up a little bit obviously you grew deeper in love with god as well as discovering that genesis 127 in his image he made them male and female to literally live out that awesome identity in relationship to chris and uh at your wedding steph and i were dating what's steph you're Let tapping her, the leg. her talk first oh was there okay i just yes. didn't know how much yeah, yeah. That's my space. All right, go ahead. (laughs) If I could just insert my little memory of um, your wonderful husband, Christopher Lyons. I think I met him through a mutual tech friend. We were in Erie, Pennsylvania, and he actually came and helped out do uh, with a couple retreats, confirmation retreats, and some other things. And so I got to know him in that way. Um, So I can just affirm. I want to underscore, Melody, what you're saying. Obviously, most of our listeners have never met him, but he does have such a powerful way to present truth with zero (laughs) compromise or sugarcoating, Mm -hmm. and yet he does it with such gentleness. And I think that's where the gentleness and charity comes from, is that he really wants you to know the truth, you know, to Mm -hmm. experience that. And so... um, that struck me really from when I first met him, that especially in um, these confirmation retreats and in Erie, Pennsylvania, confirmation was in high school. And so you had a lot of these kids who were so hardened and, you know, um, even like you described yourself as defiant. And mm. it was like, those were his favorites, <laughs> like bring it on, you know, and um, just him, just that heart. So I just want to proclaim and thank the good Lord for the heart. Um, that he gave Chris in being able to be used as his instrument in that way. You know, I think too often Amen. we, you know, fall upon personalities of this is or that's, and it needs to be this way. And we really need to embrace um, how God made p- people, and that's okay. And he uses that to draw them closer. So you got to experience that obviously firsthand and in a very different way. Um, so jumping ahead then, you guys fell in love, got engaged. We were... Um, blessed 
at that point, and then I'll let you dive back in, Melody. I just want to steal this before Greg does. So I don't know how I got to be part of this this grouping, um, but uh, two good friends, Jim and Diane Gallagher, who were not married at the time, and then Greg and myself, who had uh, started dating a month or so prior, we sang at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, it was um, wonderful. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful wedding. I just remember thinking that you were one of the most beautiful brides I had ever seen. Aww. And um, and if if we can, like, hopefully it's not too much information, the old TMI, at your wedding reception outside toward the end of it was when Greg and I had our first kiss. I don't know if we ever shared oh, that with you. No, I did not know that. Yes. Goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, just the inspiration of that incredible love and witness must have, you know, uh, been a catalyst for something. But so, yeah, so we uh, think often with fondness when we think of you guys as that very precious first moment of that. So, so to, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thanks so much. My, I, I was choked up a little bit, Melody, as you were describing that experience before Jesus in the Eucharist mm, yes. and how he is the evangelist. And the best we can do as John the Baptist is decrease and him increase, is point the way like our Blessed Mother, um, do whatever he tells you. And that's what the best of any program does, is points us to Christ and makes that encounter full and rich. You have nine children, one in heaven. So just trace for us, you know, a little bit of what were those, what have those years been like? Um, We started our family. I, I guess we found out we were pregnant nine months after we were married. And we were in South Bend, Indiana, where Chris was at the University of Notre Dame uh, in the in the doctoral program there. And so we were kind of separated from from family a little bit. But, you know, we had our our cocoon. You know, I never imagined that we would have so many children. And now, you know, I know you know how this is. People are like, wow, you have so many kids. And but, you know, when you're sitting around the living room, having a family prayer, all of a sudden it seems like, oh, who are we missing? Right. Are you missing somebody? You know, and all yep. of your children are there and it's like, oh, it just doesn't seem like it's everybody <laughs> because it seems like so few people and every single child is so known to us. Right. Um, right. Just wanted to so, punctuate yeah. in your stating that the contrast with um, teenage Melody Lyons and feminist thought, and then coming full circle through his beautiful redemptive love into a place where having children is not, as you say, the world looks at it. It is it is a joyful sacrifice. Mm. Both of those Absolutely. words important. You came to a point of recognizing that and embracing it and proclaiming it. So we're going to yeah. skip a whole heck of a lot because we do want to dive into your beautiful a uh, new project of your book, The Sunshine Principle. And again, the subtitle, A Radically Simple Guide to Natural Catholic Healing. I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to dive into this, in particular with our daughter, Catherine, who mm. um, has experienced and is experiencing a number of different health challenges and just feel, really feel, as I've passed the title along to others, I'm sure you've gotten a bit of a spike <laughs> on Amazon because when I shared it with other people, they were so excited to have this to turn to, to see what was in it for them. Um, so tell us about what led up to it, wherever you want to go with it, Melody, the time is yours. Sure. Yeah. What what led up to it was, um, you know, 20 years of, of motherhood burdened by it an unknown, um, an unknown enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the majority of that time, um, I thought it was just me, you know, mm-hmm. I thought I was just like the worst mom ever and a failure as a human being, really. Mm-hmm. As I watched everybody else, all the other moms, you know, going about their lives and doing multiple things in one day mm-hmm. or doing multiple things in one week, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I was really just like clinging um, mm-hmm. just to, to every step, to every, every moment, just praying, you know, asking God just to get me through the day. Um, I thought it was me. I thought I was a loser. And in reality, I was really sick mm-hmm. and I didn't know for a long, long time. So, um, I, it ultimately, <laughs> what a gift, what a gift to be able to come out on the other side, you know, still with these challenges, because sure. I'm not, I'm not cured. You know, I still have this 
this battle ahead of me and then I'm going to die. So mm -hmm. um, that's just the way the way it goes. Um, Can you describe for our listeners some of the, the things that you struggled with physically and emotionally? Yeah, it was it, pretty much every symptom that that I can think of, you know, mm -hmm. every um, every body system. Mm -hmm. um, I was dealing with autoimmune crisis, which I was not familiar with. Um, I didn't understand how it affects affects the body. Um, so I was having everything from, um, you know, joint, basically joint degeneration hmm. and inflammation, um, you know, severe headaches, uh, stomach problems. And there was at one point where I couldn't eat anything but um, mushy cereal hmm. um, all day long. And every time I ate, I would end up in bed because of the severe spasming. Hmm. Um, I wow. had, you know, heart involvement. I had um just so many so many things and they all seemed to be uh separate issues mm -hmm. and so i would go back to the doctor you know and that's embarrassing right. like just to take up family resources because i i'd leave every time and mm -hmm. every doctor would would give me their prescription or or you know pat me on the shoulder and say you're just tired mm -hmm. uh, and it was always inconclusive and always seemed to be something that maybe I was, was in my head or they thought was in my head. And then I would get the bill, you know, right. <laughs> mm. like, right. That oh was not in your head. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, no, $600, you know, to, to have, to have a rheumatologist tell me that I was just tired, you know, mm -hmm. that's really difficult. Um, and so the extreme fatigue and then the depression, which comes with just this overwhelming physical, physical uh, suffering with pain, with the fatigue, with, with the feelings that, that come with the inadequacy and not being able to love my family and serve my family the mm -hmm. way I wanted to, but also that chemical reaction, which comes with, with pain mm -hmm. and, um, and, and in physical challenges. So, um, yeah, very much like trying to walk through life with a giant refrigerator on your back and knowing all these, these good and true things about motherhood and about vocation and, and just feeling I was falling short, not just every day, but, you know, every moment. Hmm. So that was background of your challenge. I have to just make maybe a lighter note in the midst of that and ask you the question, knowing Chris in his teen years, did he ever graduate from the one food group diet of sugared cereal? Yeah, he's expanded <laughs> slightly. <laughs> Do remember being at his house? Remember the chili, certainly also, but Chris was a voracious consumer at all hours of the day of his sugared cereal diet. So I have oh, yeah. a, a warm, soft spot in my heart for him, as do, as do my brothers in knowing him well. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're on different ends of the spectrum a little bit with, um, with diet, but he very much supports everything that <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Everything that I do. So, so Mel, you really set up, uh, which I didn't know all that. Um, we had been out of touch. I think your family, we connected a few times um, in the having kids years. And um, to, to hear all that, though, I mean, I'll just say right out of the gates, I feel like how important it is to share these struggles just to any, any who are out there and the blessing of moms connected or dads connected and processing. And, you know, I think the, the uh, malady of today, whether it be ecclesial or political, is that things hidden in darkness come to light. It is a great act of grace to speak um, candidly and vulnerably about challenges, and you've taken that full, full blown in writing this book and wanting to, to if you will, reach others with um, yes. some answers, some uh, descriptions, some solutions. So, trace with us then. So to, to to navigate that, obviously, there's been some healing in your life. Maybe tell us um, what what steps put you in a place where the light was coming down in the sunshine principle. Well, in, as in most cases where there's traumatic healing, whether it be mind, body, or soul, um, there's often hitting rock bottom first. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what happened physically uh, to me. I ended up in such a desperate situation that I was really listen, willing to listen to anything and to try anything. I'd, I had already been to all of the doctors. I was absolutely despairing of at the idea of having to go back and pay more money you know, mm. and, and, and give more time to just have more of the same. And so I was finally um, open to listening to some of my friends who said, have you tried dietary changes? You know, and it's mm -hmm. just I that always kind of annoyed me before that. It's it's like telling somebody who's struggling with um, with weight loss. Well, you just need to eat less and exercise. You know, mm. right, right, <laughs> um, right. There's just there's a whole lot more there. And 
Um, but finally, I was willing to listen. And I thought, you know, well, I could go back to the, I could go back to the allergist. I don't, I don't know. I could go to a dietitian. And what would they tell me? Well, they'd probably tell me to do an elimination diet. So I could find out maybe if there was some issue there. And I thought, well, I can do that. And I don't have to pay anybody any money to do that. And so I just jumped right in and I did a radical, radical lifestyle change that was, um, boy, that was really difficult. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was a really, right. really difficult change. But what happened was that within a matter of days, my life changed. Days? Wow. Days. And what did you do? Like three or four days. I eliminated everything. I researched and eliminated everything in my diet that could possibly be inflammatory. Mm. So sugars, grains, all that alcohol. I, yes. <laughs> um, um, and anything that is an additive that I didn't understand, mm -hmm. you know, didn't know what it was doing in my food, um, soy, you know, right. I, I just, I made this comprehensive list based on everything I found on the internet that might be a contributing factor. I ended up with this very skinny list of foods. Um, grass. And, yeah, grass. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then I was hungry and I felt really, uh, I didn't feel that great. You know, my body was trying to figure out how to transition from constantly eating Mm. Um, easily processed sugars to what I had shifted to, which was basically, you know, proteins and healthy fats mm -hmm. and um, good carbohydrates like broccoli. So, um, but what happened was that I had for the first time, I don't know, in, in two decades, I had a um, relief from this terrible joint inflammation. Wow. Um, I found I had had a, a surgically repaired knee from a sports injury and I hadn't been able to like sit back on my heels ever since I'd had that surgery mm. um, and one day I was changing the baby's diaper and on the floor and kneeling and I just sat back wow I sat back and so there was just this it, as as the layers were kind of stripped away and my body was sort of freed from this constant stress of, of whatever foods I was eating um, it was sort of, it was just uncovered. It was revealed like, oh, well, wait a minute. This is, this is more myself. I remember this, mm -hmm. you know, I remember feeling healthy. I remember not, not having this pain. Um, and that was, so that was absolutely life-changing. What point, and, uh, if you don't mind me interrupting, I apologize. Mm -hmm. uh, in your family, you have nine children. How many years into marriage are you at this point? 10 years ago. So, okay. You know, we've been married for 24 years. So your oldest so is 14, 13 years old at this point. Yeah. And you have yeah, whatever, four or five children that you're right. trying to make you a stay-at-home mom, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, trying to homeschool and do all of those things. And it was it was exhilarating, this experience of being able to, um, to just function a little bit more. Um, my mind started to clear. And that was, I, I have to say, you know, that was so significant to be able to feel and think like mm. myself right, right. Uh, for so long and to be able to say, oh, my goodness, this is this was not really me. This was um, it was a, something that was happening to me, but it wasn't my identity. Mm. You know, I'm not pain. I'm not worthless. I'm not failure. Um, and to and then to go through, of course, this was a much longer process of identifying all of those ways in which I really needed to accept forgiveness and extend forgiveness to myself and just have that clarity, like who, who I am not and who I am, you mm. know, and give that to the Lord and accept his, um, his, his vision of who I am, mm -hmm. you know, really for the first time and, and start letting go of some of that, that tremendous grief. Mm -hmm. So your book lot. acknowledges um, really the, the various dimensions of wholeness and folks who are listening, whole W H O L E you know, is almost synonymous with holy, to be holy, yeah. to be whole in God. And you're describing, um, if you will, a behavioral aspect to this where you recognized something in the chemical, physiological human realm. And it's you're, you're carrying it over into an understanding of how it affected the way you thought. You became aware, uh, perhaps, of areas in your life spiritually now. We're an integration of mind and body and spirit and and god designed us that way he didn't design us with this you know we're just this this spirit that's just sort of hanging out for a while mm -hmm. in this um um this burden of a body you know mm -hmm. we truly are integrated and um when 
with the what I didn't really understand when I was going through all of that is the connection between mm. the health of my body and health of my mind and then how that also impacted the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, for example, when somebody's experiencing a chemical depression, you know, that's something beyond just, well, I'm not praying enough mm -hmm. or, you know, I just need to love God more. And certainly those, those elements are important and we can experience um, that, that healing directly from Christ in certain circumstances. But this is how he created us under his normal, normal circumstances. Mm -hmm. This is how he loves us and this is how he designed us. And so we have, if we have a, um, you know, a physical burden that's interfering with our ability to um, be healthy mentally, we also have that temptation towards despair and an outlook in our spiritual life you know, which, which can quickly become a disconnection from God. And so, you know, with writing this book, especially, um, I, I re was really thinking of the people who, who went through what I went through, which you have that dark night of the soul, mm -hmm. uh, which is often precipitated by the body. If, and this idea that, you know, we will always have suffering, but some of the suffering, some of the crosses that we carry are not really ours. Uh, and I don't know if I'm saying that the right way, but totally um, with you there, you know, there are things there, they're burdens we have picked up and they're not of Christ, you know, right. like if we're living a lifestyle that is opposed to his will for us and opposed to our natural design, mm -hmm. then we have picked up a cross that's not, yes. you know, <laughs> that's, that's not holy. And, and of course it can be used for, um, for his glory, but we're kind of carrying them and hugging them. And saying in in praying, you know, and offering up this suffering. When in the meantime, we could be setting down that cross, and then using our our free arms, you know, to pick up the burdens that He really asks right. us to carry. Right. One phrase we use to punctuate that I've used often: um, the Cecil B. DeMille, the producer of the Ten Commandments, uh, really said, "We can't break the Ten Commandments or the natural law. We can only break ourselves." against it. And at our age, 40s, 50s, you know, um, we become aware of the debris that we've inherited by decisions we've made, and in some cases others have made against us, that validate there is a way, a truth, and a life. Christ has paved it, and it is a way not of constraint, but of freedom, of truth. And anybody who tries to go 60 miles an hour and think that they can go off the lines, go off-roading and into the berm, well, they're going to be smashed. And really, I think this describes perhaps the three, last three, four, five decades. I can create my own truth. I can create my own landscape. I can do whatever I want. We see it in Supreme Court decisions. Just, you know, define yourself. We'll go with that. So, you know, see with the, see where that is going to lead you in pursuing your desires. Let those be the validation of morality. Your desires are your definition. You go with that. And in, in its aftermath, we are seeing a whole lot of debris. So just, I appreciate um, the heart um, piece there that you're describing for any who are listening, that a lot of the suffering that we're facing, physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, is a result of, in, of being in rebellion against what God revealed to be true. Yes. Yeah. And and what does what does the enemy want for us? You know, he wants us to be depressed and anxious mm -hmm. and, you know, overwhelmed by by failure and discouragement and sickness and and pain, you know, so that um, the vision, the vision that God has for us is obscured. He wants us destroyed, you know, and we have to be sure and careful that we're not complicit in that destruction. And so observing our surroundings and the things that, that we do and the ways that we, we speak, the ways that we treat our body, you know, is this consistent with God's design mm -hmm. uh, for us? And is this going to lead us closer to Christ? And I would absolutely say that there's a moral component to the way that we, um, the way that we care for our bodies. Mm -hmm. So in short order, we, we are so blessed to have Melody Lyons with us, new author, The Sunshine Principle. You can find it at their website, which is theessentialmother.com or on amazon.com. And they also founded uh, a publishing company, Intinction Press, which is kind of exciting. She and her husband, Chris, raising Eight beautiful children with a little help of a little one up in heaven looking down from on high. Um, Melody, if you were to describe for somebody, just I only had one minute to explain, what is the sunshine principle? So the sunshine principle is 
essentially that God has arranged everything in the universe in consideration of everything else, and that the greatest potential for healing occurs when we align our behaviors with God's natural, biological, and spiritual laws. Amen. And that the, the, the image of the sun, um, the, the truth of this is so obvious that it's like the sun. You know, every aspect of life and faith um, stands like the sunshine, unfailing, necessary, powerful, but so often taken for granted. And, you know, I think we have sort of long since ceased to be, be awed by that in many cases. And we've forgotten that it was made for us um, and that all of creation was designed for our benefit. So this book is, is not a complicated representation of the truth, um, but merely a gentle and joyful reminder, hopefully, mm. you know, that God has set all things in motion in consideration of us mm. whom he loves. So you say awesome. the word joy, joyful, even the cover, you'll check it out when you order your copy, listeners. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And just, no, you know, you. It, it makes you joyful looking at it. Do you know she it. designed it? Did you know that? Did you design the, the did. cover? I believe I did. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It really Thank is. You. And I also love, again, not having read it completely yet, but the um, uh, it is also filled with different saint quotes and scripture passages and um, different quotes from the catechism. And it's... And it's, Facebook posts. It's <laughs> yes, beautifully, right. beautifully um, positioned throughout. And it, it just supports, right, and encourages um, all that is true and good that you're saying about how we are designed, how the universe is designed. And um, for our local listeners also, um, there is a story, a short story, I think it's in the section on um, stories of healing, which would make sense. Father Nathan Cromley is in there, who is a Toledo native, Melody, I don't know if you realize that, but he's very beloved here. Yeah, yeah. so um, Father Nathan's in the book, if you need a little extra, you know, encouragement. Um but just, I just feel like this book is so needed right now mm. in so many ways. And so the Lord's timing is always perfect. Um, certainly, I say that for our situation and our family, but I feel like you have people getting more and more into, you know, the yoga stuff and new age, mm -hmm. you know, the crystals and more Weirdness. than ever. Like I, when we were, you know, you had mentioned new age stuff back in high school. That's when it's you know, it was certainly prevalent then, but it seems like it's just resurged so much, right? And it dominates, yes. it, it dominates the natural, the natural health scene, it, it overwhelmingly, even among Christian practitioners. Yes, yes. I have to say that, um, and you know this, Chris knows this, our whole community that you describe uh, in a substantial time of our lives around college, college age, just blessed, kindred with you and many others who are doing amazing things, Eric Sammons, you know, Menkhouses, you know, so many dynamic people have emerged from this doing great things. But we really inherited an image of a loving God uh, and an understanding of love that it has a contour and a shape. And I think we also had a healthy critique, um, perhaps, of church authorities that, number one, lacked humility in saying, the leader saying, we're on a journey, I'm not there, join me along this journey. I think we're experiencing a culture that has abandoned any semblance of faith because fundamentally we yearn to be loved and we yearn to love you know the essence of our being and that is god god who is love and so what i what i really see in this book is an honest if you will filling out um the shape of that love for the human person the glory of god is man fully alive so another question melody is you're busy i mean you're you're a mother of eight children what prompted you? What validations did you get? What forums told you this is good, this is right, you need to write a book? This is, the book is my testimony. I mean, fundamentally, you know, it's my testimony to the greatness of God um, who allowed me to, to suffer and to heal so that I might know mm. him better and, and fall into the arms of divine love. Um, and it's my testimony to others because I see this, see the suffering um, all around mm. me, you know, and right. I want I want people to know that God wishes for you to be healed in his time that the, and that there is hope of rising and that he does not leave. Mm. You know, he doesn't leave. This is relational. This is, he, he loves us so much. Just, you know, everything you were saying, I agree with. And um, there's a freedom here, you know, that, that um, we can offer to each other that goes beyond death because we're all going to die and we're all going to suffer. Um, but there is a freedom in Christ, which, Ultimately, like I said, the book 
Some people will read it as just being about, you know, health and healing. Ultimately, it's about a conversion to the heart of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ and um, being able to extend a hand to those, including my family um, and my children and their futures and whatever, wherever that takes them, um, to be able to extend that hand into the darkness, you know, mm. and say, and say, it's okay, you know, let's just, let's walk to the door. Let's walk to the door of possibility here. And, um, and you're going to be okay. And so I guess, you know, well, you know how this is when you have that testimony. Um, you've been given this, this, these gifts and, and it seems an injustice not to be able to, to share mm -hmm. it and, and, and proclaim it, Truth. you know? And so I think that really is, um, that is at the root of what the book is. And then also, you know, the practical steps to be able to help people and answer all of the emails. Because when I was <laughs> sharing, you know, sharing my, my, my journey and all the steps along the way online, um, I was just getting constant emails. And of course, within, within the, uh, the, the restrictions of my vocation, I can't answer them all the way right, I want to, right. you know, so. The book is sort of the email that I couldn't send. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. How long did it take you to put together, Melody? Well, I would I would have said two years, but because of COVID, right? <laughs> we that were pushing word. closer to three. So, But wow. um, actually, the majority of the writing was about two years. And um, most of it was done in the middle of my kitchen with all of the people running around me. So that's <laughs> which gives it the grace and Absolutely. power. I want to dive into that. Um, important note, you say, writing it with the little ones around you, you're homeschooling, you're at home. And Stephanie and I have often kind of summarized one of the greatest challenges for Catholics, Christians today is between knowing it and professing it, and then this chasm and living it. So I guess what I want you to maybe share with us is give us a portrait of how your journey and this content in particular plays out in the very real reality of, of marriage and home. How have you seen it shape your family? Oh, it's it's been interesting because most most of my journey, they were oblivious, mm. you know, and um, I, I spent a lot of time um, trying to be virtuous, but also feeling upset. And I guess expressing, feeling um, disappointed and and grumpy, you know, mm. and overwhelmed, and just the sensory experience of having a large family and the noise um, right. can get really overwhelming, especially when you're not feeling well. And so there's just there's a lot that I I don't necessarily know about how how did it form my family, and I can't go there too often because I get upset, you know, sure. mm. and I think about loss and I and I regret. Um, but I don't know um, exactly how they were formed by those things which I consider to be negative and a failure on my part. Um, but the transformation has been interesting because um, a, a couple of my children in particular um, have have undergone their own healing mm -hmm. because of my awareness. That's awesome. And I've been able to serve them and help them in a way that I couldn't have if I didn't understand these things about my own health. And um, I will just, I mean, I'm not going to go through their stories, but I, you know, I, I get choked up every time because mm. we were literally able to save, I believe, to save a child's life wow. um, and, you know, and, and transform others. So they're each kind of absorbing. Um, the little ones don't understand at all. Right. Um, but also has impacted the way that I, that I take care of them. And of course, some of my kids are now reading my book. So <laughs> <laughs> what kind of response um, yeah. are you getting from that? I hate to say it. Too many Catholic leaders leave it at the door. Um, they go out they're on the stage. They write the books. They come back into the homes, though. Ask the kids, ask the wife, where is that person who wrote that book? And is on the stage. So how does that I'm pressing it at maybe share something pretty candid and vulnerable here. But how does it play out under your roof? Well, I think it's just, it's completely relational. And I, I think it's important. I feel it's important to be, to pursue those, that relationship in the healthiest way possible, which means that, you know, we're ready with the apology. We're ready to mm. extend mercy. We're ready with, to live the gospel. And so I do talk a lot with my kids about, um, you know, about the imperfections. And of course we experience them mm -hmm. in the institutional church and in our communities and going back to this idea, um, of relationship with Christ and truth and um, our purpose, you know, like, why are we gospel livers? Why are we Christians if, if what we do isn't going to be extending 
the gospel to other people and being a source of healing for those people. So within the home, I mean, they know more than anybody what a hot mess I am, you know, I mean, <laughs> a beautiful it's, hot mess. It's, but, but they, I'm, Redemption's in it. I, I'm sure it. they yeah. experienced yeah. the redemption in your and that's honesty, the power opening the door. We're human. We need yeah. Christ. I'm sure it gives them permission to be honest about their own, you know, brokenness. Folks here, tune in to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Very blessed to have a beloved sister in Christ, Melody Lyons. She and her husband, Chris, and family we've known for many decades. It's been far too long for us to be together. But she's written this awesome book, which is um, an important part of her life, her own personal testimonial of healing, The Sunshine Principle. You can find it at their site, theessentialmother.com. With a little bit of time that we have left, Melody, I'm going to invite you to take the gloves off a little bit. You didn't know I was going to ask this, and I don't know what I'm going to get. But as a formed Catholic pursuing disciple of Jesus Christ, just can you give us your own reflection from your own journey, from your book, how are you processing the COVID challenge? I think because of my experience um, with so many years of suffering and fear of death and having to reconcile with that, um, when COVID first came onto the scene, um, I, I was not afraid. And it wasn't that I I don't get anxious about um, about illness. I certainly do, or that I don't worry about other people. I simply think I was better equipped, um, not a better person necessarily, but just better equipped by my life circumstances um, to be reconciled with the inevitability of death mm. and the primacy of the spiritual, right. you know, our, our eternity of the spiritual spiritual life. And um, I do think again, it's because I had already had to reconcile so many times with that reality that it wasn't anything necessarily virtuous on my part. It was that I was just already, already in that mindset. Mm. Um, and I do see, I find it very concerning, you know, I, what I'm seeing now and a, a good priest friend of ours just recently said, he said, this has exposed our lack of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, even among our clergy, we're seeing this, we're seeing this primacy of fear rather than a faith and it doesn't mean that we're denying obviously my book is about uh, largely about physical healing so it's not a denial that we need to take care of each other um but we need to do it in a more mother Teresa way you know right (laughs) rather than like governmental um you know mandate kind of way we need to be able to have access to each other to be able to hold each other and um it's uh so i'm forgetting what your original question was i'm kind of just wandering but but those are that's a little bit of my perspective, and I want uh, my children I, to to retain normal. What mm-hmm. is normal? I don't want the new normal for them because I want them. The new normal them, is not normal. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's 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 not normal, and and maybe you know like what what you guys do so beautifully. I think not even just a new normal, but an elevated normal. Like Amen. let's work on a revival. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be yes. better. We have this opportunity. Um, to look back and see what normal was, see what um, bureaucrats are trying to make the new normal, mm-hmm. or even um, you know some some evildoers <laughs> are yeah. trying to make the new, new normal, and 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 bring the gospel alive, you know, and have this revival again. So if I were to speak of masks in particular, as we're winding down here, and Stephanie and I want to be formed by our church in conscience, which attends to truth, right? Empirical truth, factual truth, uh, and bring the moral principles that we have to bear, not just for us, but obviously it's a communal consideration. We don't doubt that there are notable health things that merit our concern. We don't doubt that in the very beginning, there was still a lot of confusion. And depending on the day of the week, right? (laughs) Hour of the day and what source you have, we still don't know what that landscape looks like. But um, I I come up with this, that... I feel like there's an unnecessary obstruction of relational and spiritual intimacy. I'll say that again. I find in general, with with due note of those who who are in in, um, a demographic, a profile that is seriously at risk, that seriously is in that 0.0012% of those who have this disease that have died from COVID alone. That's what the stat is from CDC, 0.0012% of those who've died, um, that 
you know, there's it, it, that wearing masks, I'm just stating this open to the conversation, open to the debate, which I think that is a huge plus in this um, atmosphere to respectfully hear others and to dialogue about it. Uh, find me on Facebook. I've communicated these things and have received the good wisdom and feedback from others. And But the, my evolution of thought has brought me to this point. I find masks in general mandated, publicly obscuring relational and spiritual intimacy that is having a um, opportunity cost loss, a loss of connectivity to each other as physical beings um, face-to-face and interacting without fear. Um, and, uh, you know, I do think it's it's seeping into our system. It's seeping into the way we interact with one another, the way we think about one another. And wouldn't the enemy love to weaponize that whole thing? Wouldn't he love to politicize the whole thing? And I think it is a challenge. I'll be honest. It's a challenge to, to distance myself objectively from those who want to use this for gain in that way. But just for us, you know, like I'll say for our, our One Heart, One City events, we respect um, social distancing, people want to wear masks, etc. They're outdoors. Of the nine events, um, again, at all of our advertising, saying we respect social distancing, if you want to keep your distance, wear a mask. Of all those nine events, not one person wore a mask in the public, not one. Or a few kind of distanced themselves a little bit. Um, but it's interesting that through the duration of the prayer, through the duration of of the encounter experiences that we had, the healing that took place, the primacy of Christ, um, something powerful, I think, took place to, to cause people to cross the Rubicon from fear into a sense of faith. And I add the word reasonably so, based upon the same empirical data that uh, caused many restaurants to remain open, same empirical data. I think we really need to ask the question, you know, in our churches, do we need to get rid of this dispensation and uh, mm-hmm. get people back to the sacramental grace for which, from which many, many are languishing? My little monologue, your thoughts. I, I'm in full agreement. Um, I've just seen, I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but, I, but the people who are living a little bit more freely um, are experiencing uh, healing and restoration and um, are becoming even more free in mind, body, and spirit. And those who are kind of, you know, staying tucked away are increasing in fear. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm saying that in a general sort of way, but I think we can see it on social media, especially, mm-hmm. you know, th- this division is really just striking. Um, I have, I when we first went back to mass, you know, um, we decided that we wouldn't be that we would not have our children masked and that um, we would approach the altar, you know, freely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to tell you, you know, there were a lot of other people who chose to do the same awesome. and reflecting on it later that evening. Um, it was the most healing experience mm. that I had during the entire quarantine. You know, I just wept. I just mm. it was such a small thing. But it wasn't small. No. We were seeing each other. We're relational. You know, this is um, everything that you said so perfectly that I, I don't want to re- have to repeat because you you said it just right. Uh, but there is a healing component here of being able to interfere with what is separating us from each other mm. and from what is separating us from a proper proper understanding of our, our relationships. Um, and I think like even in the book, I I want people to understand that in order to make a change, because we're convinced that we've done this before, we've tried with our health or this or that. And what is our experience? Our experience is that we've failed in the past. And so we approach healing moments with trepidation because we know that we're going to screw it up. In order to make these changes, we have to interfere. We have to, to interfere with old habits with old patterns, with Mm. old way of thinking. We have to burst through and literally reorient our life so that all of our actions reflect, reflect Christ. And I think it's the same way with, with all of this, with the masking and everything. If we want something to change, if we don't just want to die in fear um, and just shrivel spiritually and mentally and physically and allow our loved ones to die without us, our our presence Mm. there, Mm. you know, without the sacraments and all of these things, we're going to have to to interfere somehow and do something bold, do something that makes us uncomfortable and other people uncomfortable. Amen. Thank you for that, Melody. 
You are listening to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter as we come in for a landing here. And our dear, wonderful, amazing guest, Melody Lyons, author of The Sunshine Principle, A Radically Simple Guide to Natural Catholic Healing. Go buy it, folks. Check it out. I know my limitations in this vocation, and I've seen too many people get sucked in <laughs> to mm-hmm. the internet on in various ways. But So I know that I would be a voracious blog reader if I opened that door. So I want you to know that I, yours, I think, is the only one that I deliberately seek out um, somewhat regularly to read. I'm always inspired and edified by what you have to say. And the great great gift that you have um, in the way that you say it, you really, really, really are a treasure, Melody. At theessentialmother.com. Yes. Thanks so much for being with us tonight on Ignite Radio Live. And if you want to see past episodes, we just encourage you to check it out at IgniteRadioLive.com. And as we are approaching the end of the year, we just do avail our mission and movement, our desire to see the kingdom alive in marriage and family to your support and partnership with us. We do rely on your prayers, yes, and financial support. So would you please just pray, prayerfully consider supporting us? It's so awesome, whether it's $5 or $500, especially if you can contribute on a monthly basis, you can easily find that at massimpact.us, donate. Um, we do pray earnestly for each one of you, and it is touching lives, you know, many, many lives. You've heard the stories here. And so we just ask again, just humbly come before you, ask if you'd please support us in this mission, nonprofit mission. We're going to conclude tonight's program with Matthew's song going back 30 years. This is a track off of the album from The Fishermen, which included my brother Nathan, brother Luke, and Chris Lyons in their late teens. Very pro-life Christian album. And this corresponds to an abortion clinic in the Cleveland area where we regularly prayed at. Very powerful lyrics. Check this out and let's have kindred hearts for an end to abortion in this country and healing of our nation. Child aboard you The saints all gathered to pray Some in lines With rosaries and picket signs They prepare for another day Another girl Enters the big glass doors She's trying to fight back her fear And the prayers keep rising To the Holy One Amidst the silence and the tears And the cars outside keep passing by
outside the child aboard jewelry the saints are gathered to pray some in lines with rosaries and picket signs they prepare for another day Close your eyes.